Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is a privilege to be with you this morning and to spend this time together. Um, God is at work in this place. I sense that. Praise him for it. And what a gift you have in Sabrina and Matt. Thank you for the genuineness of uh, the worship this morning. Since it was really coming from your heart. It's a privilege to be with you in this place. I have the opportunity to visit many different churches across Ontario. It's part of what I do. I'm not always at Camp Crossroads. We have a team up there, as many of you will know. And some of you have been a part of that team. Uh, how many of you have been to Camp Crossroads before? Just so I have a sense of... Of that, Carissa was excited about Camp Crossroads this summer. We're looking forward to another full full season. I'm just going to give a little bit of an update for those of you that have been there before and those of you that have never been there. There's an opportunity even next weekend for the uh, spring cleanup day, the work day. So come on up. Uh, can't guarantee that it'll be free of black flies. It is right now. But who knows by then. So, But it's Muskoka. We don't really have bugs, do we? So it's a great chance to invest in, in the kingdom in that way. And appreciate your prayers as well. We had a windstorm, as you did. And one of the major power lines on the property went down. A pole was knocked over with a transformer on it. So we're looking at uh, some significant issues there. Appreciate your prayers and your support for Camp Crossroads because it's an ongoing need to just keep the place going. And we do that for good reason, and I want to talk a little bit about that uh, this morning. We want to celebrate what God is doing. Uh, Camp exists. You see this in your bulletin. If you're not familiar with it, we have a laser focus on what we do there. Uh, When I started in 2013, I asked the question, why are we doing all of this? And so we developed this statement, and we remind ourselves, I remind myself of this regularly. I try to say this at least once a day because it reminds me of what I should be about. Camp exists as a Christ-centered ministry. Because Jesus is the one. We could stop right there. To focus on him is what it's about. Christ-centered ministry to support the local church. And that's why I'm here this morning. And that's why we invest in young people. That's why we want to support what you're doing. Kelly brought a van load of young ladies to camp last summer. And for me, when I saw them pull on and the doors open and those young ladies get out of that van, I thought, that's the mission right there. That if we can support what... Kelly and Scott Street are doing in this community, that's fulfilling the mission of what we're about. To support the local church and making disciples, because Matthew 28, what did Jesus say? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, there it is, go and make disciples. There's a single purpose for every single one of us in this room, and that is to make disciples. And that's what we're going to continue to focus on. And we also get the opportunity to invest in developing leaders. And so thank you for the privilege of that. And one of the prayer requests I would mention in regard to that is we run uh, an LIT program. Last year we had a double cohort. We had two groups. It was twice as many as we usually do. We're going to do that again this year because there's so much interest in that program. But we are still looking for staff to to provide the leadership for that program. So would you, anybody here willing to commit to pray for that very specifically, uh, even on a daily basis? That would be awesome if you can do that to, because that's a need as well as continuing to pray for camp in terms of safety and so on. So that's what we're about. It's a lot of fun up there. 
I wish we could zoom in on the face of the uh, young person on that tube that's about to drink a bunch of Black Lake water because they have fun in that place. The laughter, sometimes I feel bad for our neighbors because there's just so much noise around having that much fun. It's about making friends. It's about relationships. Some of you may well have met up at Camp Crossroads and as a result of that went on to get married. If that's your uh, story, give Camp 10% of what you think your marriage is worth. That's a small commission. Think about it. Anyway, it is about friends. It's about uh, connecting with people. It's about community. And we continue to invest in that area. But more specifically, it's about faith. All of the other stuff is so that young people will be open to hearing the gospel, the message of who Jesus is, and respond to that. And we see that happening year after year after year. God, by his grace, reaches out, gets the attention of young people that are surrounded in a swirl of noise, and in that quiet place, God meets with them, and lives are changed as a result of that. So uh, we're, we're excited to continue to do that. I crunched some numbers in, uh, with Joe a few years back, and so I've been trying to update these. 47,000 campers. That's a lot of people at Camp Crossroads over these decades. Now, some of them came back year after year, but still each experience is new and fresh. 47,000. That's about a third the population of St. Catharines. That's a significant number of lives impacted uh, the number of spiritual decisions that we know about because we do track with that and the unknown because seeds are planted, God cultivates waters and those seeds will flourish and someday in the kingdom we're going to hear about how the investment that you have made in Camp Crossroads has reaped a harvest that we may not even know about. So we're excited about that, the over 1,500 first-time decisions. Uh, this year, in the winter, we had almost 700 young people January, February, program, not rental groups, that's just program groups, 700. Camp is year-round. We've got full house right now, and I think I've got a couple of pictures there as well. I talked about the leadership development. Um, we hear stories often about the, the impact that camp is. David, I can actually go back on this slideshow, can't I? But I, I want to highlight uh, this picture here is fresh. I got this uh, via Instagram just yesterday. And uh, we have a, uh, two groups at camp this weekend. One of them is a group of First Nations young people from Manitoulin Island. And we know that God's going to work in that place. And many of them come from very challenging home situations. Uh, we're partnering with uh, Derek Parento, who you may know through C2C Church Planning. Love that man's heart. He's a, he's a man seeking after God and after his kingdom and among the First Nations people up there. And so I'm going to ask you to pray this weekend that God would work powerfully and that a renewal would happen among the First uh, Nations in the north there, and particularly this group that's there from uh, Manitoulin Island. Um, I've told this story a few times, and I'm going to tell it again, even at the risk that I may have shared it with some of you. But it was last summer we had a, a volunteer come up to drive boat for a week. And at the end of the week, he got on the school bus that uh, the kids ride on their way home. And it was actually the bus that came out of Welland with the Rose City Kids Ministry that Southridge sponsors. And uh, this guy's a fairly big guy, and he's walking down the aisles. And as he was telling me this story, tears were running down his cheek. He said, Ed, I just got off the bus there. And uh, one of the young girls on the bus looked up at me as I walked through and said, thank you, I have never felt loved before in my life. This was the week where she felt loved 
through homemade buns, home-cooked meals, somebody driving a boat, cabin leaders that cared for her, and she heard the gospel. In that context, she heard the gospel. The potential for life change is huge. And those are the kind of stories that uh, we hear on an ongoing basis. Leadership development. How many of you have heard testimonies from baptismal people saying Camp Crossroads is where I met Jesus or where my... It just keeps happening, and we praise God for that. That's God at work. It's not any of us. It's God at work, and uh, we're excited to be a part of that, and I'm asking you to partner with us to to be a part of what God is doing. Visit the Camp Crossroads website. We try and keep it updated so that you can pray. The information is there so you can see who the speakers are, what the programs are that are running, and if you ever have any questions, call me. 705-238-7116. 705-238-7116. My, my phone number is on the website. It's on the Our Camp Our Turn website as well. So I'm going to invite you to actually call me. And if you want to be a part of the great things that are happening, let me know. And we'd, we'd love to find a place for you to serve. It's not a vacation. It's not a retirement plan. It's a place to serve. You will go home tired. I can promise you that. If you've served for a week at Camp Crossroads or Gerhardt, are you still tired from being up there all those years? I'm thinking, he, he still needs to rest. Is he having a mittagschlaf every once in a while? That's because he was working hard at camp. You will be tired. It's not a vacation. We're there to serve those that are there to relax. But I also promise this. You will be encouraged in who God is and how he works. So please consider being part of that. So that's kind of the the update, and I'd love to share more of the stories. You hear the enthusiasm. The opportunities are many, and we look forward to seeing how God's going to work this year. So you've got some homework, a couple of prayer requests. The prayer warriors, those that are gifted in intercession, please join us in praying for those specific things, and uh, God will get the glory, and he will do the work for his kingdom to be advanced. So, yeah, Thanks for the privilege of being here. I do want to look together with you into God's word, and it's fresh out of my own life experience right now. First uh, Thessalonians 4. I've read this text many, many times as I was pastoring and uh, led at funerals. In particular, we tend to read this text when we are standing at the graveside and committing the body into the ground and uh, for burial. And for me, this past week, Monday, I stood at a graveside and uh, buried my father. It's that fresh. Uh, it's been a journey. It's been a process of uh, about a month watching him go home. It was uh, a little over a month ago. We were in the uh, doctor's office, and uh, the doctor shared with us his siblings first and said, uh, cancer's everywhere. And so, you know, we, we always want to know timelines as human beings, don't we? What's the timeline? He said, it won't be long. And so we expected a fairly short timeline. And uh, he lingered for about a month. And, but as soon as the doctor went into the room and told my dad, and we were all there with him, he said, Abe, it's everywhere. The cancer is everywhere. And uh, my dad looked at him unfiltered. My dad was getting on in years 84, and he didn't have many filters left. And at that moment, especially when all your emotions kick into gear, there really aren't any filters. So the doctor says, uh, it's everywhere. Time is short. My dad said, can I go tomorrow? Jesus is waiting for me. And that spoke volumes. That spoke volumes to me. Jesus is waiting for me. That's all the theology we need right there. That's the word of God. And so it was so encouraging to spend those hours with him. And what I started doing in my own personal devotions is digging into scripture to see where my dad was going. 
Because if Jesus is waiting, there's got to be something more than just that general sense of somebody. Where is he waiting? What's he bringing with him? Uh, You mentioned the mansions this morning. What's that about? Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. In my father's uh, house are many rooms. I go and prepare a place. What's that look like? And so that's where my mind is being. So this morning, I want to just share a little bit of me processing this reality. And Paul ends this section in 1 Thessalonians, and he tells us very explicitly, he says, uh, encourage each other with these words. So this morning, I want to encourage you that if you are in Christ, here's my encouragement out of God's word. There's a place. We're going there because Jesus is faithful. If you are not in Christ this morning, if you have never entered into that personal, redemptive, saving relationship with Jesus, I'm going to leave you with this encouragement. Consider today. Consider today where you're going. Because the opportunity to respond in faith and to have a glorious hope is there for all of us. Are you encouraged already? It's in God's word. We can trust him. It is true. And so, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Thanks, John, for for reading that and reminding us that uh, Paul is saying there, it's a familiar text for many of us that have been to to Christian funeral. I almost said Christian weddings. There's a similarity there for the Christian funerals before that uh, this is a familiar text. And Paul says about times and dates we don't need to write. He says there's stuff that's mysterious. We, We don't know some of the answers to some of the questions that we ask in the first part of uh, chapter 5, he says, that's the reality. There's still a mystery. But what we do know, we should not be ignorant about. And that's the language he uses there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And it's page 906 in your Bibles. I don't put up the text for a reason because I want you to do some work. So if you don't have a Bible, grab one of these uh, New Living Translations. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll read it together and I'm going to read it out of the NIV. So... There's, uh, there's hope here, and let's encourage each other again with these. Brothers, sisters, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. So what's the challenge here? We're not supposed to live in ignorance, and yet I feel that, and I think that many of us do, even as Christians. And I've been at Christian funerals, people that have lived their entire life attending church, and I've heard some statements made that reflect or that indicate a theological understanding that actually isn't biblical. And that's a problem. Because if we're not grounding it in truth, then we're living in ignorance. And we want to be grounded in truth, and we don't want to live in ignorance. And so he says uh, about those who fall asleep, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. And so there's some real encouragement built into this text. Jesus is triumphant. Jesus is triumphant. There is hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Notice the the preposition there, in him. That's why I stressed before the encouragement, if we are in Christ, this is true, and if we are not in Christ, we need to consider and be encouraged what that actually means, to be in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Did you get, get the language there? Death seems so final. It is so hard. It is so hard. 
And it's softened by this reality. What happens? What's your expectation when you fall asleep? Most of us fell asleep last night. Rachel, you're a trained medical person. What's the expectation when you fall asleep? To wake up. And so there's an awakening that, that's coming. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. As you hear the words, with a loud command, think in the back of your mind, when Jesus was standing at the graveside of Lazarus, what did he do? He what? What did he shout? He specifically said, Lazarus, come out. Because if Jesus had said, come out, what would have happened? All kinds of people would start walking around. That would have been a whole different scenario. Now he's coming again and he's shouting, come out. Think of that. That's exciting. That's something to hope for. With a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That's exciting. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. So there's some things we don't know and some things that we do know for sure that we can know. And I have to admit that in that process of watching my dad declining, rapidly declining, and then eventually passing, there were some things that I have believed and there are some things that I have known. And suddenly you know more than just believe. Some things that you just know. By God's spirit, he presses those deeper into your heart and you just have a a firmer grasp. Can I say that? On some things that are true. And so we're encouraged by that. I love our confession of faith, the MB confession of faith. If you've never read it, I would encourage you to do so because it takes kind of the broad scope of what scripture says and brings it down into some concise statements. And in fact, just referring back to Camp Crossroads now, we are expecting and pressing in with our summer staff uh, into the confession of faith because we want to make sure that we're on the same page, so to speak. Literally a page, but on the same page in terms of our understanding. And it's encouraging to do that. In fact, in the application process, just from an, a point of view of accountability, we expected that applicants to this year's summer staff would have read the confession of faith. And if they had any questions, we gave an opportunity for that. And the, and the training that's starting this week, we're going to be pressing further into that. So there's another encouragement for you to spend time. But it states there that we believe that our Lord Christ will return visibly and triumphantly at the end of the present age. The church must always be prepared to meet the Lord, living in expectation of his imminent return. So that's exciting news for us to consider. We believe that Jesus died... And rose again. If he had simply died, that would not be enough because everyone dies. With very few exceptions, that's the human condition. The human condition is life is terminal, it ends at some point. But Jesus turns that around, he rose again. Jesus death and resurrection, changes our perspective. It gives us a new way of looking at this stuff. There's been this door that every human being has walked through, again, with very few exceptions. Every human being walks through that door, and we wonder, what's on the other side of that door? And now suddenly, 
Jesus dies, goes through the door, and comes back out. He speaks with authority of what lies on both sides. In fact, not only does he speak with authority, but remember Matthew 28, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So not only does he speak with authority, he has authority over these things. What he says goes. And so there's a change in perspective. What what could be, and usually is a very frightening prospect, suddenly takes on a different tenor. It has a different feel to it. There's someone who's gone through and come back. And he speaks with and has authority over these things. Jesus died, rose again on the third day. And that's worth celebrating. So that gives us hope. He's the one that's gone through. And it gives us hope that we too have victory over death. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul, same person that wrote this letter to the Thessalonians, again speaking about the death and resurrection of Jesus, says that if Christ that uh, Christ has, if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? And you may well hear that from some people. What a hopeless existence that is. To think that death is it and that's the end. Takes away all meaning from this life. Because we're reduced then to this set of biological urges, this chemical process. We're taking up space. And what's the point? But the fact that Jesus died and rose again gives hope for this life and for the life to come. Because Jesus Christ died and rose again. He's the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The first fruits, the first one, and there's more coming after him. So let's look at the resurrection of Jesus just uh, briefly to remind ourselves of some of the things that are true there. Because again, I've heard people talk like this, oh, they, somebody in that passed away, oh, they've become an angel now. Yes or no? I've heard it from Christian church people. We don't ever become angels, as good as you may be. In fact, little, we're a little lower than the angels now. Do you know what happens at death? <coughs> Promotion. Because we will actually judge the angels. So something happens in the death of a person that changes who we are. So Jesus' death becomes a model for us in that he rose again. So a couple of things. One is Jesus rose from the dead physically. How do we know? Well, there are a number of indicators in the Bible. One is the stone was rolled away. Ghosts don't need stones rolled away. It's interesting evidence of his resurrection. Um, He eats with his... I'm encouraged by this one. I like good food. I know Scott Street makes good food. When I hear this munch a bunch bunch, or chew chew and chat... Chat and chew, that sounds like the kind of event I could go to. Jesus eats with his disciples. They broil some fish. He eats with them. So the resurrection, the hope that we have, is that the resurrection isn't just into some kind of existence, but it's an actual physical resurrection. 
It's a physical resurrection. We're not ghosts. We eat. And he ate it in their presence. And it says in Acts 1-4, while he was eating, he's talking to them. Mysterious stuff. Mysterious stuff. And he invites Thomas to touch the wounds. And in fact, in Revelation, after he ascends, it says that he looked like a lamb that was slain. He bears the marks of the crucifixion forever. It's interesting. It's a physical resurrection, and even the glorified Jesus bears the marks of the crucifixion. The wounds were still evident. The disciples recognized him. So I expect, I fully expect, that when we're in eternity, we will bump into each other, and you'll be like, Ed, I remember I nodded off during your sermon at Scott Street that that time. Some of what you probably said is true. Look at it. You missed a few points, but you're going to recognize me. I'm going to recognize you. Encourage each other with these words. We're not completely transformed. And so will scars stay there? I don't know. Jesus' scars remained. Maybe the marks. I've got a few scars. Maybe they'll be there. Maybe they won't. I, I don't know. But according to what Jesus shows us, they recognized him. Now, there is an instance in Luke 24, and some of you might be like, hang on a second. And you want to have that biblical debate. It says in Luke 24 that the disciples didn't recognize him because they were kept from recognizing him. So something was veiled in their understanding. But then they went on to actually recognize him. He appears to over 500 people. Now, there's some mystery here as well. We talk about a meeting. We talk about the uh, stone being rolled away. But he suddenly appears among them. So there's a different set of physical realities or laws that apply to the resurrected Jesus. Will we be changed in that way? I don't know. It's a mystery about dates and times and some things we're not going to argue about because not, they're not core to our salvation or to our belief. And we'll say, God will figure it out. But it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It gives us hope. He appears. He disappears. He told Mary at first not to touch him. He had not yet ascended to the Father, and yet he eats with them. So there's some powerful stuff at work here. And uh, we don't become angels we are resurrected physically. In the meantime, there's a sleep. So I've been thinking a little bit about that. Even this morning, I was up fairly early, beautiful morning, thinking a little bit about sleep, and I could have used a couple of more minutes, but that's all good. But have you ever noticed? So we buried my dad, so he physically is asleep right now. Do you know when you fall asleep? Do you, does your mind say, okay, I'm sleeping now? What happens while you're asleep? I remember as a kid getting in the car and driving the hum of the road and you fall asleep, right? And what happens next? Suddenly you're there, right? Has it ever happened to you where you fell asleep in the car or in a plane or whatever and then you wake up and it's like, oh, we're there. And time passed like that. There's an imagery there and I don't want to push it too far. But in, just in me, I'm convinced that you fall asleep, and they wake up, and they're there. Because when you're asleep, 
Time passes. There's something strange going on cognitively there. Because we are never separated from Christ, ever. So something mysterious is happening even with time. And God is not bound by time, so he can work outside the parameters. You can spend the afternoon thinking about that just before you fall asleep for your mitachlaf. And then you're awake, and it's like, where did that three hours go? I'll be driving home. Hopefully not, hopefully not sleeping. And so there's some interesting things, some mysteries around this, but we can take hope in the midst of even asking the question and wondering. In fact, it's important and it's necessary for this transformation through the death and the resurrection to happen. Because in 1 Corinthians 15 again, Paul says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet call. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. So there are some things that stay the same and some things that changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. There's the hope. There's the truth that we can cling to and that we can know no matter what the circumstances of our lives. Amen? Amen? That's the truth. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And that happened on the cross and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He took captive death and put it on display. And what the enemy intended for evil, God turned around and made for our own good. That's exciting. That is just exciting news for us to be reminded of. It changes our perspective on this life. It really does. It certainly changes our prospects and our hope for the future. We know where we're going. We can answer that question. Where are you going? With some degree of certainty, at least in some regards. And I'm convinced that the stuff we don't know, we don't need to know right now. There's enough there to know what we need to know and build our hope on that. And it's enough that we know to have faith in what we don't know. To hang on to these things. So it changes our future. Um, Cheryl and I had the privilege of going to Iguazu Falls. This We were like, the Weenses are there. I think I smelled Abe Weenses' cologne. Because they had just, I think you had just been there after we were there. I had had the opportunity to go to Iguazu um, Falls. Absolutely breathtaking. It's a shame. Is this going on the internet? It's a shame what's been done to Niagara Falls. It's tacky. It's not the way it was intended to be. Iguazu, they've been able to keep it fairly natural. I had been there before, and Cheryl, my wife, had not been. So I knew what to expect. She didn't know. So my anticipation was actually here, and hers were like, I think it's going to be good because Ed keeps saying it's going to be good. She had seen pictures. But I was anticipating more because I knew some things she didn't know. So here's my encouragement to you this morning. Dig into Scripture to find out what's waiting for us. 
Why not do a personal study? Why not take some time to look through the scriptures and to find those texts that give us indications of what the marriage feast of the Lamb, Jesus is going to prepare a meal for us. Now, you have some respectable cooks in this congregation. I'm telling you, some of the best borscht I've had, Kathy Wall. Mmm, fresh-baked Svebox. Mmm, that's good stuff. All due respect, Kathy, if Jesus is going to prepare that meal for us, let's all sit down and enjoy that. Like, we can expect and anticipate that. And we can enjoy the things on this, this earth with the anticipation of what's coming, and it'll be even better. Amen? It's going to be better, the anticipation. We know what's waiting for us. So it changes our future. It gives us a hope. We're not ignorant. And so it also, here are the three points. For those of you that like three points in a, in a sermon, it changes our future because it gives us hope, and it changes our present because it gives us purpose. I mentioned at the beginning of this message about the number of decisions that have been made at Camp Crossroads. That makes a difference for those young people and for those individuals in this life and forever. That's what we're about. We're, our present is transformed by the death and resurrection of Jesus and the hope that we have that we also will die and rise again in him that we can bring others with us. And that's the mandate. Go and make disciples so that their lives can have meaning and purpose and so that they can also have that same hope. Because here's my encouragement. Look around this week. Look into the eyes of people and ask yourself, do they need hope? Do they need some good news in their lives? I believe we're surrounded by people that need to know the hope of the reality of who Jesus is. And so the death and resurrection of Jesus gives us that hope. There's so much more in here that I would love to unpack. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually push a button here. I think one of the songs that we sang talked about ascending and meeting Jesus in the air. And I, I don't remember exactly which one. But we often think that heaven is out there. Where are we going? Is it up there or is it down here? I don't want the church to split over this, okay? But it's worth thinking about. Is it up? In my father's house are many rooms. I go and prepare a place for you. I love that scripture. You're right. That's, and we ascend and meet Jesus in the air. I'm kind of throwing out a controversial one at the end here, but that, I think that's okay. Then what happens? New Jerusalem, where's the heaven that we're going to? The word that's actually used in the original, the language suggests kind of like when you stay in a hotel for a period, you have a room, and then you leave that room to go to your destination. Think about that for just a minute. Because often people, and I've, I've worked with guys that said, man, if all it is a bunch of chubby angels playing harps up in heaven, why would I want to go there? That's a valid point. I'm qualified maybe to be a chubby angel, but I don't want to float around playing the harp. And as you look into scripture, Jesus in Matthew 24 talks about at the renewal of all things. Like we've had some phenomenal experiences. I talked about Iguazu, or I think of Camp Crossroads, when the mist is rising on the lake early in the morning, it's like glass. You think, does it get better than this? And the answer is, yes. So heaven is actually going to be the place that God reconstructs at the renewal 
It's not just new, it's renewed. It's brought back to what he intended in the first place and it's better than any of us can imagine. Is that something to hope for and to long for and to bring others to? Absolutely. Hope you're encouraged this morning to consider again what it means to be in Christ and to have the hope of the resurrection because he has conquered death and he has made a way for us to know the Father and to live with him forever. Can I pray for you? Father, thank you for your word. It's true. We cling to it, sometimes in desperation and sometimes in confidence. And we just trust you, God, to continue to be at work in our own hearts, to continue to remind us of the good things that we have, the inheritance that we have in Christ. Thank you for each person in this room, and I just pray a blessing that this week we would live in the hope and the assurance of faith that comes through knowing Jesus. listening. For any questions about the message or to contact any of our pastors, please visit scottstreetchurch.ca.